And that validation of my feelings was amazing because of the fact that a lot of times for me, and I think for other people, when we feel something that is kind of ugly, like we, we, we label certain feelings as ugly or shameful, we spend a lot of effort in shaming ourselves just because of the fact that we feel those feelings. And at the point where we recognize that any feeling that you feel is normal to feel, I think we can make a lot more progress in just witnessing those feelings. Thank you for joining us. You are now tuned into Trish Chat, a series that aims to normalize vulnerability through conversation. Our episodes promote meaningful dialogue around identity, culture, and real life stories. We are your hosts, Steph and Jess, and everything you'll hear in our episodes are based on personal experiences. Make sure to tune in every Monday to hear our latest episodes. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Trish Chat. My name is Steph, and I'm here with Jess. Hey, hey, hey. How's everybody doing this week? There's a lot happening in the world. A lot. There is a lot of self-isolation happening, which I think for people like me who are introverts can be kind of nice. But for people who are very social, like Jess. Going crazy. It can bring about some anxiety. Yeah, it's a lot of inside time. I don't like it at all. It's scary. Why is it scary? Well, it's a scary time right now. Yes, and it so, is a scary time. You know, we're really limited and um, obviously we want to be careful and we're super privileged and blessed to have a home and to be able to be together and have food and, and resources and that we don't have coronavirus. I mean, that's always a plus. Work from home. Yeah. Um, but I think for me, it's like, I like being outside. I like meeting up with friends. I like adventure and I need to be able to do that throughout the week. And I feel like it's really limiting now because everything's shutting down and we have to be super careful about what we're doing. So I can't even go to the gym, which sucks because I love the gym. I know. So I've just been running outside. Um, in hopes that I don't get sick. Um, so yeah, it's a little sad. Oh, babe, it's okay. <laughs> it's gonna be okay. It's just a time with with. Um, there's a lot of information. There is like a statewide emer- emergency, a national emergency. Big words that pandemic. Big words that can cause panic. Mm-hmm. Um. And I think that even though we are in a time where for for those of us who do get to work from home, because not everyone has that privilege and everyone has a um, a job where they where they get to do that or not. Everyone has like um, paid sick leave so that they can take the time off if they feel that they're sick. Not everyone can afford that. But for those of us who do have that, um, even though we're getting that time to um, be a little bit more alone than usual, Mm -hmm. um, and spend time with ourselves. We're also in an era where we're, we're tuned into social media. We're tuned into Twitter. We're tuned in, we're tuned into like 
Instagram and there's just a lot of information on there. Some of it's not true. Some of it is true. But either way, a lot of it is just like information overload and panic. And you're like, I, I have a cough. Do I have coronavirus? I, I don't know what to do. Or, mm-hmm. um, Yeah. I think it's exposing a lot of like our issues in this country. Um, oh, yeah. You talked about like paid sick leave and like workers and, and not having certain luxuries as as like we do. Um, and it's just like in line with the election and like all the, you know, voting and all these things. And so it's a lot of information at once and, and all these candidates are, are coming at people left and right, um, to use this as, as a platform to expose this and to use it as like a way to sway people to vote for them, um, so I don't know how I feel about that, but I think it's good that we are exposing this stuff and we're talking about it. I just hope that we do something about it. Yeah, I hope that at the time where coronavirus is not a thing anymore that people with like, because this has been, I think, traumatic for people, not just because you're scared of getting coronavirus, but it brings about issues of like food security, health security, like people. Toilet paper. T- yeah, like aisles are empty in supermarkets and um some people don't have like health insurance or they have really expensive health insurance where they don't, they don't go to the doctor. I don't know how much the coronavirus test costs and I don't know if it's fully covered by insurance, but if you don't have insurance, I imagine that I haven't heard that it's free. So I imagine that you would have to pay for that. And like, mm-hmm. I I don't like, that's shitty. Yeah. And you were talking about this earlier, like all the people that are kind of out of work right now because of so many things being shut down. And yeah, people who they they make their living off of events, off of um, I think about um, temp workers, temp workers like, who likely work at like Jacob Javits Center in New York or Moscow Center, and like how are they getting paid? Because there are mm-hmm. no um, events that are happening. Um, domestic workers who and and like nannies and stuff who may not be getting paid because people are like well i'm home so i'll just watch the kids or Mm -hmm. um people whose jobs requires like what like one-on-one interaction where people are self-isolating and they're not doing that um anymore so i think about even like um like reiki healers and Mm things like that and those people probably aren't getting many clients at or, this point or personal even, trainers all that stuff right and or even people that have to go to work yeah. right that that they have to physically be present in order to make a living like my mom for example yeah. like i'm constantly worried about my mom and she's older and with all of this happening um i'm just super concerned about like with her job she physically has to be there yeah um so i feel for all those all those folks and um I just ask that everybody just look out for each other and and support um, their loved ones and and small businesses and and people that that really need it right now during this crazy time because you know somebody has to speak up and 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 help them out. Yeah, and just a reminder because like you mentioned, your mom um, is older. Coronavirus is um, impacting older folks more than like healthy younger folks mm-hmm. so they're an at-risk population um my parents both have jobs where they are required like my parents cannot do their jobs from home 
they're older as well. And so for me, I think about that and I'm like, you know, I'm a healthy person. If I do get coronavirus, I would, you know, I would hope and it's likely that I would survive it. Yeah. And I have med- I have great medical coverage. Like I can go to the doctor, get what I need to get. But me staying home and working from home, I don't do that for me. I do that because there are other people mm-hmm. who don't have that option. And I could be a carrier of mm-hmm. coronavirus. Like I could have coronavirus and not show any symptoms and spread that. Yeah, that's a good point. And spread that over. And then I'm putting other people at risk that may not be able to serve to survive it or may not have the health insurance to like go to the doctor if if it if it gets really bad. Mm-hmm. So if you have the luxury to work from home and you're not doing so, remember that you're not doing it just for you. You're doing it for other people who are at risk or people who are immunosuppressed and if they come across the coronavirus, it might be deadly for them. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I was supposed to meet up with a with a buddy of mine a few days ago. Um, and we were texting back and forth and being like, you know, what should we do? And I just straight up told him, I'm like, look, dude, you have kids. Like, don't even, don't even chance it. Like, we can meet up another time. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't want you to get sick and, or, you know, expose your kids. Although... I don't know. Can kids get it? You, we were talking about this, and apparently, like, there's not, there's not, like there's kids no and cases pets can't or, get it or, or something like that. The, the other thing is that, like, there's not, there's not a wide availability of kits to test for coronavirus, yeah. so like the, the number of cases are underreported. But I am not a public health official, yeah. So, so don't take what way, I'm saying. Either like, way, I just take it with a grain of salt. I didn't want to chance it, so yeah. Anyway, I think that's enough about coronavirus. <laughs> Just be careful, please. Yeah, wash your hands. And inform yourselves. I know there's a lot of information. There is a lot of social media. Makes me laugh. There's a lot of great memes out there, um, which it is an infographic of how to wash your hands. And people are picking like all these different songs that to like go with each like um, the internet always wins part of washing your hands and I love it I'm like I love how we're still teaching people how to wash their hands <laughs> hey you know whatever whatever gets the job done <laughs> yeah anyway what are we talking about today today we're talking about um caring for another living being um and that being a mirror to you and and to your shadows, which do you want to define what shadows are for the peeps? Yeah, so I just looked up a quick definition here. The shadow. Um, hidden or unconscious aspects of oneself, both good and bad, which the ego has either repressed or never recognized. So it's basically caring for another living being and that being a mirror to parts of you that you've worked on and parts of you that you didn't know existed that may not be um, parts of you that you necessarily want mm-hmm. or like that you didn't think that you needed to work on or that you repressed. Yeah. And Jess and I are going to talk about Baxter, our dog. Baxter boy. People who are actual parents might be rolling their eyes right now. I'm like, y'all <laughs> going to talk about getting a dog, please. This could be relatable. Listen, I think that this was the best thing that we did. Getting a pup, 
before having kids. Um, we we are a same sex couple, so we have a lot of um, flexibility there on <laughs> not you know getting pregnant. Um, but I thought for us, you know, maybe you tell a story like you've always wanted a dog, and yeah. I never wanted a dog. So I've I've wanted a dog since I was much much younger. My mom did not um, want pets in our household. And so I grew up wanting a dog, but never got one. In my young adult years, I wanted a dog, but I didn't get one. Um, when Jess and I got together, um, I wanted a dog. Still, but why did you want a dog? Where did that come from? Did you is it, you saw it on TV? Did someone you know have a dog? I, like, what connected you to wanting a dog? I think dogs are magnificent. There was a point in my life where I was scared of dogs. Okay, um, but I still wanted one. Um, but I just, I think that dogs are incredibly friendly. They are selfless. I think they teach us a lot of lessons in the sense of, and this, this is not, this is not inclusive of like dogs that are being abused, but dogs that are in like healthy, loving homes, like they, they don't worry about tomorrow. They don't worry about anything. They just care about snacks. I don't, I'm, I'm trying to not say the word treats because if uh, Baxter hears it, he's going to get up and be like, for me. Um, so those sort of things, they care about giving you love. They care about your love. Um, you can get mad at them and they like kind of get a little scared, but then they're, then they like give you a little kiss and then they're like, okay, like it's all good. Mm -hmm. They just live their life in the moment. And I feel like we don't deserve dogs yeah. <laughs> because they give us so much love and they expect so little in return. And I really wanted that in my life. I wanted to be able to raise a dog and to get that love and give that love back. Mm. So let me tell you my plan. <laughs> okay. Let's do it. Jess did not want a dog whatsoever. And she was like, look, if you want a dog, get a dog. But I don't really want anything to do with the dog. You walk the dog. <laughs> you're in charge of it. And I said, say no more. But I knew that that wasn't really going to work, right? Like, you don't want to bring a dog into your living situation if your partner's like, I want nothing to do with it because you don't want the dog to, like, feel bad. But I know that Jess is a mush and that she was going to love this dog. Damn, that was quite a risk you took. Listen, <laughs> big risk, big reward. Anyway, okay. um, so I would show Jess pictures of puppies and videos of puppies on Instagram. And I would show her a few every day. A and few. A lot every day. This is for years. years. I would every I, night listen, before bed. I was filling my pipeline. Okay. <laughs> I was showing her these videos all the time. And at first she'd be like, oh yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And she would see dogs in the street. And I'm the type of person if I see the dog in the street and the dog is with someone that like seems friendly, I'm going to go pet your dog. I'm going to go play with your dog. Mm -hmm. And I would do that all the time. And Jess would sort of stay on the side. And like, if the dog would get close, she'd be like, mm, no. Um, so I kept showing videos, showing videos, showing videos, showing videos. To the point where she was like, oh, that's cute. Oh, look at that. And then I saw her soft spot was golden retriever puppies. So, you know, I went ham <laughs> on golden retriever puppy videos. Till this day, I show her those videos. Wow. So you manipulated me. Is what no. <laughs> No, I didn't. I found my way to your heart. They're so cute. See, there you go. And so we moved to San Francisco, which if you've never visited San Francisco, 
you haven't heard, San Francisco has a lot of dogs. Definitely more dogs lot, than people. Like a lot of dogs. For sure. And it's very dog friendly. You see dogs everywhere. And so I was showing Jess all these videos and then she kept seeing dogs everywhere. And like, she was just like, look at that dog. It's so cute. Look at the dog. It's so cute. Look at the dog. It's so cute. And I was like, yes. It didn't it's help that we, live the, that we live across the street from a doggy daycare. Yeah. So we would see all the cute dogs. So I had been researching um, a place where um, I wanted to get a dog. And I chose that I wanted to get a dog from a breeder because I wanted a very specific type of dog. Um, and yeah. And you so did, you did a lot of research. I did a lot of research. I found a breeder that I loved. He was very ethical. He loved the dogs. Like the dogs lived with him. He wasn't just like breeding dogs left and right. Um, and so I just kept, he, that the breeder has videos of his litters. Mm -hmm. So then I kept showing her videos of the litters. And then she was like, Oh my God, look at that one. He's so cute. Look at that one. So cute. Mm -hmm. And then we finally made the decision to get the dog. So we put the deposit down and the, the puppies are born. And so I just kept showing Jess like pictures of the puppies from the litter. And then we finally um, drove down. We got our dog from Riverside, California, which is a seven hour drive from here. So we flew down, rented a car. And then we, our pickup time was 4 p.m. So we spent that entire day super nervous. <laughs> Do you remember? Oh yeah, I'm just going to, I was just like, okay couple more hours until our life changes i did not know what to expect i was super excited though i was mostly excited for you because i i knew how bad you wanted it and i was also excited for us and what we're going to talk about now and like our journey in, yeah. in raising baxter together yeah i do feel like you were kind of hesitant though because throughout that initial process, you were still kind of like, oh, that's you. Like you found the breeder, you contact them, you like yeah. do those things. I didn't want to, well, I, it wasn't that I was like scared. I think it was just that you, you put so much work into it. This was your dream and I didn't want to take away from it. I just wanted you to really enjoy that moment. And I was happy to just be a part of it, you know, in whatever way you needed. Yeah. Damn. Thank you. I'm a poet. Yeah. Come mierda. What? Thanks. Um, so Jess and I get to the breeder. We go into this little area. They bring out all the dogs. Now, this mom had 10 puppies. 10 puppies. Wasn't it 11? It was 10. Oh, okay. And a lot. It's a lot of puppies. And we were like maybe the fourth to mm -hmm. pick up. So there was still a lot of dogs left. So we, they bring all the puppies. Oh my God. It was so much love. And Jess was kind of like standing in a corner and I'm sitting on the floor and there are all these little puppies jumping on so me. cute. I was just scared to hurt them because they were so little. They're so cute. And so they, they, they're microchips. So they give you a microchip reader so that you can look at them, like a scan the, the reader and you can say, okay, 857, because the puppies aren't named. 857 is the one I want. So I remember there was this puppy, 857. And I'm like, you know what? That's the puppy I want. Like, I think, I think this is it. The little puppy bit my ass, <laughs> ripped my shirt, undid my shoelaces. And I was like, this is not the puppy. <laughs> um, and then we, we were like, what about that one? Mm -hmm. And again, Jess was still like in a corner and I'm like, I'm playing with him. He's like, I'm like, oh my God, he's so cute. He's so gentle. And I'm like, Jess, like, hold him. What do you think? And she's like, yep, I think this is the one. <laughs> and that, then we took Baxter home. Mm. And Baxter was super well behaved on the drive. 
seven hours man. seven hours we brought like a bunch of different things for him he just rode on my lap the entire time um he was just like super cute we got home that night we like put him down on the floor of the apartment and he just sat there completely like the look on his face was just it was heartbreaking because he was just like where am i yeah what is this and we decided that we were going to crate train him so night one we put him in his crate. It's next to my side of the bed. He starts howling and screaming his head off. <laughs> oh my God, yeah. I mean, I, I slept fine after that, but you were not having it. Well, I think this is where the mirror aspect comes and like the shadows. So I grew up with, um, I feel like my mom didn't have like a lot of patience and I don't want it to seem like on every episode that I get on, I'm bashing my mom. My mom was an amazing mom. Um, minus the fact that we don't talk anymore because I'm gay. Um, but right. she she did the best that she could when I was growing up. But she also dealt with a lot of trauma and she didn't have the toolkit or the privilege to really address that um, as she was growing up and as she had her own family. So she did an amazing job based on how I turned out. Um, so I don't want it to to seem like I'm bashing her. Um, I'm I'm showcasing my experience, just as an FYI. Um, but I grew up in a household where my mom didn't necessarily have a lot of patience for behavior that was not kind of neutral, where you weren't just like being quiet and doing what you were supposed to do. Like if you were laughing too loud, if you were like upset, if you were crying, if you were misbehaving, like there was not a lot of patience for that, and it just was not dealt with. Like like not she just didn't like she didn't want to deal with that so you would get screamed at whatnot and so I was like I'm not my mom like I have so much patience I've gone through therapy like I have had the privilege that she didn't have and I'm breaking these generational like traumas Mm -hmm. like look at me I'm amazing (laughs) and then night one Baxter is screaming in his crate and I'm like be quiet (laughs) no what did you say when you woke up For two weeks, I was like, I'm sending him back to the breeder. And now imagine me, someone who did not want a puppy, trying to calm you down and like talk you, you know, talk you down the ledge because you were just like, this is not what I expected. This is a lot. But I knew that it was just an adjustment for you. And I knew that deep down after you got through this part, like you were just going to be in love with him. So I want to talk about a couple of things that I struggled with. But before I do that, I also want to say, regardless of whether you have a kid or a puppy, or even like if you're caring for a parent that has now become your complete dependent, I think it's really important to speak your truth with the people around you who are your loved ones and with your therapist, if you can, if you have that privilege because of the fact that I could have very easily kept that feeling inside of, I want to send him back because of the fact that I felt responsible for us getting a dog because I have, I had wanted him. I did the research. I found the breeder. I like essentially picked the puppy. I was like that one. And I felt very responsible and I felt, I felt, and I felt very ashamed about the fact that I didn't want, the dog anymore. I felt like I was a quitter and I felt very inadequate. And I had to voice that because I was at a point where I couldn't hold it 
after holding it in for a few hours, by the way, <laughs> not even for days. Yeah. I I wasn't at the I, I just couldn't deal with it. And the reason why I didn't send him back was one, because I was honest with Jess and she was there to be like, hey, this is just an adjustment period. Give us some time. I was talking to some friends and some coworkers who had just gone through the process of getting Baxter's a Labradoodle, um, who had also just gotten Labradoodles. And I had a coworker who would literally text me every day and say, hey, that feeling, what he said to me completely like helped me. He was like, it's totally normal that you're feeling that way. I felt that way for the first month. It's going to get better. I promise. And that validation of my feelings was amazing because of the fact that a lot of times for me, and I think for other people, when we feel something that is kind of ugly, like we, we, we label certain feelings as ugly or shameful, we spend a lot of effort in shaming ourselves just because of the fact that we feel those feelings. And at the point where we recognize that any feeling that you feel is normal to feel, I think we can make a lot more progress in just witnessing those feelings. So that was super helpful to me. I also talked to my therapist about it and my therapist was just like, that's totally normal. People feel that way after they have kids. People feel that way after they get dogs. People feel that way in many scenarios. Um, and that also helped me because I was like, okay, it, it, it will pass, but it's also okay if I still want to give them back after this. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, those, that's a really good note. Um, I don't think a lot of people are honest about that. Specifically, I mean, I don't have kids, but specifically with having children. Because it's much easier to give a dog back than it is to give of a course. child away for adoption. Of course. I mean, we, you know, I can't speak to that. I'm not a parent, so I cannot speak to that. But I will say that there have been small instances or, or, or very few instances where parents have been very honest about the way they feel after yeah. having kids and being like, I don't I, like, I, I really questioned being a parent mm -hmm. in the beginning and like, it was too much. And you go from being responsible for yourself and like, yeah, Jess is my wife and you know, we're responsible for each other. But at the end of the day, Jess is her own person. And you know, it's her responsibility to for, for her happiness, it's her responsibility for her things. And, you know, I'm here to like be on this journey with her, vice versa. But when it's a kid or a dog, they're totally dependent on you. Yeah. If you don't feed them, they don't eat. Yeah. So that's like really hard. But I think piece one is like, be open. Even when like those aspects of like your shadow, like the, the, the ugliest things that you feel and the ugliest things that you think about yourself are there just for me, it was really important to share that. Yeah. Um, I'm going to talk about some of the things that I struggled with. Yeah, go for it. You're like, I'll, I'll just chime in there. You're like, bring out the paper. Bring out the tea as we're sipping on it. <laughs> so I would say one is patience. And I think I mirrored a lot of the things that my mom, in the ways that my mom raised me, that I said I would never do. And I thought that I was like, you know what? I'm never going to do that because I'm part of a different generation. I've been to therapy for many years. I'm on top of my shit. And then I was like, oh, I'm my mom. Great. Love it. Um, so I think it just goes to show how hard it is to do that. And the fact that I repeated that, having gone to therapy, I can't imagine what it was like for my mom to have to raise three kids at a young age, not having gone to therapy. 
Yeah. Not having had the toolkit. So like kudos, like not, not kudos to, to them for raising us and doing the best that they could. Um, but I, I really struggled with patience. Um, and what I mean by patient is not necessarily patient. I, I struggle with perfectionism myself and I projected that onto Baxter where in my mind, I had this expectation that I would put him in his crate the first night and he would lay there quietly and go to sleep that he would wake up the next morning and I would take him to go potty and he would potty that he wouldn't really like pee anywhere. And the reality was that Baxter screamed in his crate the entire night. Um, I took him out every three hours and he still peed everywhere in the apartment. Mm -hmm. And I would like play with him and he would just like pee everywhere because he got super excited. And I was like, this dog is, I got a defective dog. Like Mm -hmm. I had this ridiculous like expectation in my mind that he was going to be perfect or that because I, this is a subconscious thing. And this is, I'm, this is me looking back at it. I wasn't thinking this at the moment that because I excelled at everything that I did, that I was going to excel at training this dog and this dog was going to be perfect from day one. When in reality, I didn't even have a bond with this dog. Baxter is a type of dog that you could hold up a treat to his face and he will do anything for that treat. And he wouldn't eat the first couple of days that he was here because he was probably anxious because he didn't know us because he was in a new environment and he was adjusting to that. And I was lacking that empathy for him because I was, I had such a high expectation of myself and I expected him to be perfect via me because everything that I did, I excelled at including his personality and his behavior. So I felt miserably in that. And I had a really hard time with that. And Jess has called me out so much in this where she's like, you're doing it again. You're expecting him to be perfect because training a dog for the first year is very hard and you need to put in a lot of work um, in order for you to have the rest of your years with that dog be a little bit more seamless. And so we're constantly teaching him new things. And still now I'm much better, but I can... I see it and sometimes Jess calls me out on it where she's like, you literally just introduced this to him. He's not going to get it tonight. Like you have to relax. Mm -hmm. So that idea of perfectionism, I really, really, really struggled with. I can imagine that people struggle with this, with like children, with et cetera, Mm -hmm. with relationships, expecting relationships to be a certain way. Yeah. It's a lot of work. Yeah. Um, The second piece that I struggled with was the ways in which I responded to things that weren't going my way. Um, And that was something that I was reflecting from my childhood and I was projecting that onto Baxter. And when I was growing up, I was shamed for feeling sad, for feeling angry, for like laughing too loud, like it was the expectation that you needed to be kind of in line, mm-hmm. behave a certain way. And I think that feeds the idea of perfectionism. Mm-hmm. But the ways in which, you know, my mom would like lash out and, and it just was not acceptable um, involved shaming tactics. And I started doing that with Baxter where... um you know, I would say to him, like, you're not being a good boy. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and or or say to him like why don't like why don't you get it like why you you know what you're supposed to be doing like why aren't you doing it words like that that seems simple but it's like no he doesn't know what he's doing and i'm the i'm the sort of the i'm the parent here and i'm the one that's supposed to set the structure and obviously if he's not getting it it's because i'm not setting the structure properly and so he doesn't know what he's supposed to do and that's not helpful language to say to him so i really really struggled with that and it helped me to see that i also do that to myself when I'm not performing in anything in my life in a way that I had like expected that I would perform. Yeah. I think that's the one I noticed the most with you and Baxter. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do want to give you credit that you're very aware of that now. And I, I barely see that happen um, now that you're, you've acknowledged it. Yeah. And I correct myself in front of him as well. It sounds so ridiculous, but sometimes I'll say something to him where I'm like, you want a tree? It's for good boys only. And then I'm like, you know what, Baxter, that was shameful. That was shaming language. Come over here. Come, come sit, get, get a treat. You're, you're like, yeah, I correct myself because that's what you need to do in order to get better. Yeah. People are out here like, wow, take this dog away from her. <laughs> you're a great mom. You're a great mom. What did you struggle with? I've been perfect, to be honest. With wow, you. yeah. I mean, <laughs> 10 out of 10, really. I don't know. I mean, you tell me. Like, I feel like there's definitely stuff that I've, I've, that Baxter has shown me. He's definitely been a mirror for me. But I feel like guilt. I've, yes, guilt for sure. But I feel like I've, I don't know. I've, it's kind of felt natural for me. And I don't know if that's because of me always, like, the way I grew up, I was always taking care of somebody. Um, but, I don't know. Taking care of Baxter is just so natural for me. Like I, I just look at him. He's my son and I just, I love to love him, but, um, patience for sure. I think patience with Baxter specifically in the beginning when he was like a baby pup that man, like you, it really put me to the test on not necessarily him learning, you know, tricks or where to pee or whatnot but it's like the idea that I, I had the idea that he was just gonna sit still <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean like he's gonna sit still like eventually he's gonna get tired and it's like no it doesn't it did not align with when i was tired and so it was like the patience around that and like no you have to entertain them you have to like spend time with them he is a lot of energy so you have to really wear him down and yeah we went from having a lifestyle of just being the two of us and being able to just lounge on the couch and go on vacation wherever we want or go out for as many hours or, you know, be spontaneous and go somewhere um, to not being able to do that and, 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 and transitioning to a, a lifestyle of every three hours. That was really hard for me because I'm like, this is, this is a lot of change where we were waking up in the middle of the night to take him out at 3 a.m. so he could go pee. And of course we're going to take him out. Like he needs to pee and yeah. go, go to the um, the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> he needs to, you know, uh, rele- release himself. And so um, that part was really hard for me. And like having patience around that and being like, okay, my life is changing a little bit, but it's temporary. He's going to become, a you know, an adult pup and he's going to have a better schedule and just... um 
try not to miss that life that I that, that we used to have. Um, and I think I had a hard time in the beginning with that, but um, you you mentioned that the second thing would be guilt. Like, I'm still working on this. We still have conversations around this where I want to make sure that he has the best life. And so Baxter goes to puppy days, you know, daycare twice a week, um, mostly because I want to make sure he's around other pups and being social but also because like I want him to be somewhere where he has fun and he's like engaged all the time and with us like constantly either working or, or or running errands and things like we don't necessarily have time to always like play with him as much as I'd like to and so sometimes when I'm like working um or I'm doing stuff in the house that has to get done I'll look over and he's just there and he's bored and I feel so bad so I'll just shut down all my shit and I'll take him on a walk or I'll take him to the park and I start like shaming myself because I'm like, oh my God, am I being the best parent? Am I giving him enough outside time? You know, we, we've tried to like come on us, you know, like have a schedule of like getting up early, taking him out when we know our schedules are going to be crazy and making sure that he gets a couple hours outside because he is a, a Labradoodle and they do have a lot of energy. Um, and so using that language, like using language and the self-talk towards like shaming myself has been really hard and you do a great job of like reminding me that I'm doing the best that I can and we're doing the best that we can and um that I shouldn't shame myself because you know Baxter also does need rest and right. he's a he's a puppy and he needs to be able to rest like I don't know at this rate it was like 10 to 12 hours or something like that and like actual like restful rest and he's not able to do that throughout the day when we're moving around we're playing with him and then we're making noise um so I think for me it's just been a balance of understanding that it's okay for him to rest it's okay that he can be bored sometimes like he needs to do that um and we will you know we will do the best we can to make sure that he is getting his outside time and and you know, we mix in a bunch of different things for him during the week where he is like right now he's laying there exhausted because he went to school today and he's so like tired. Um, and so, yeah, I think that for me, it's been patience, uh, guilt. It's been shaming myself. I think um, a big part of your guilt, too, is like projecting feelings onto people, onto like things and people, because even in situations where like you're helping someone you're like oh this person must feel this or this person feels like this so I am I need to do x and y or like mm -hmm. Baxter feels this so I need to do x and y and I'm always like did they communicate that they felt that way Baxter told me oh yeah <laughs> um yeah and, and I think you know we're all guilty of that of like projecting that onto other people as a way of shaming ourselves of like oh well you know Baxter's super bored and it's like is he bored or is he tired yeah right like when a dog's bored they'll start destroying things yeah if he's just laying around he might just be tired you're right I think I I see like my inner child in Baxter I'm like I remember being a little kid and like wanting to go out to the park or wanting to be outside and not he doesn't have choice in this and so I just think 
I always say, I always tell stuff. It's like, I wish he could talk so he could just tell me what he's feeling. Although he has ways of communicating that, um, as, as we're continuing to grow our bond. Um, but yeah, it, it is definitely me reflecting. It's like, he's holding a mirror up and, and showing me the things that like I struggle with or, or I have like shame around and, um, really bringing it to, to the forefront. Um, and I tell this to everybody, like he's changed my life in so many ways, not only just like the amount of love or, or this new definition of love that is so hard to explain, but just in, in everything I just said, like he has me on a schedule. Like I wake up early because of this kid. Like I hate waking up. Yeah, early. I was just going to say Jess is not a morning person. I'm, now you are. Yeah. Now I get up and I'm like, I even give you a hard time sometimes when I'm like, oh, we got to get back to how it's like. I'm on it. I'm just like, all right, I'm going to get up. And like, he's helped me with my routine. And I'm really grateful for that. And, you know, not everyone that has a dog is on a strict routine. Jess and I made, agreed with each other. And here's another thing is when you're caring for, for someone else or another living being with, with in partnership with someone else, like you have to agree there has to be um, unison. And so we agreed that we were going to be on a very strict schedule with him because we wanted that consistency for him so that he didn't get anxious about thinking about like, when do I get to go out to potty or like, when do I get to do this? He knows that he goes in his crate at 10 PM. He goes to sleep. He knows that between 7:30 and 8 AM, one of us is going to come let him out. We're going to take him on a walk so he can go potty. And then when we come back, we're going to feed him his breakfast. He knows that that is going to happen. He knows that at 6 p.m. he eats his dinner. He knows those things. Mm -hmm. um, and so we agreed mm -hmm. that that's something that was important to us. And I think that that helped relieve a lot of stress because of the fact that those things are given. Like we know that those things have to happen and we alternate. Yeah. And I mean, I need structure in my life in, in some way. And I think that I think you and I struggled a bit in the beginning because we were trying to figure out what that structure was with like yeah. his his eating schedule, taking him out, who was going to do what. Like we were both working professionals and just like, you know, I'd love to jump into that, actually, just like how Baxter has changed us as like within our partnership and how yeah. we had to work together mm -hmm. um as parents to to raise Baxter and how like personally I feel has really prepared me to become a parent for human beings like it's it sounds silly but like I feel like I'm I'm much more prepared than I was before as far as like my thought process and the structure and like we practice a lot of those things with Baxter obviously <coughs> having kids is, is a way bigger bigger deal because you can't just leave a kid in a crate and go out but like yeah. I love to talk about how I think it's made us stronger together as mm -hmm. as as partners um because of the communication that had to happen um whether it was compromise or just like understanding that like the responsibility and the ownership that it takes to to raise Baxter and preparation yeah. I travel for work. Jess, you know, travels for work. The first, um, oh my God. Yeah. The, first like the first, so the first two months that we had Baxter were really rough because I was privileged enough that I had a manager that was very understanding. And so I worked from home for a month. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember that week I had like, I was producing a bunch of events and so then Jess I was, was like in Vegas. Jess was out for a whole week. So it was me 
and Baxter an entire week by ourselves. I was taking him out every three hours. Mm -hmm. Like it was rough. And there was actually rough, rough. Yeah. (laughs) I actually gave him a bath one night and this was when he was still like a very young puppy. He loves water, but he was drinking the bath water. (laughs) And I kept like trying to, you know, not let him drink the water, but I didn't realize that he drank a ton. So I had taken him to a potty before um, giving him the bath. So I'm like, he's good. He's good for three hours. So I gave him the bath. I put him to to bed. Actually, no, this, yeah, yeah, it was every three hours. So an hour later, I hear like, like whining. And at this point, Baxter was like very comfortable in his crate. I looked down. The entire crate is full of pee because he had peed all over himself. Yeah. And this was so rough. So I like had to get up again. I took him out. I gave him another <laughs> bath. I took him out so that he could like really relieve himself. And even though I was like exhausted and like part of me was like really angry that this happened, but it was anger towards myself that like I let him drink so much bath water and didn't like think mm-hmm. about that. I just saw that he was disgusted with himself in that crate. Like he, yeah. his back was like really arched. He just felt gross. And I gave him that bath. I wiped his crate. I brought out some like clean blankets for him. I took him out to potty. And when I brought him back, he just like laid there and like went to sleep right away. He was comfortable. And I, and I it just, it calmed me down because I was mm-hmm. like, I'm glad that I woke up and, mm-hmm. and he wasn't sitting in that for much longer. But that, that's just how rough it was. That was yeah. just one example of what happened that week. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, how do you think it's like made us like stronger as a couple? Well, I think a, a couple of things, and I'm assuming that this would be the same if you are raising a child together, taking care of like a parent together. Um, I think that we were really good about um, organizing and like scheduling and stuff like that. But we we did that for like vacations and like we planned their own wedding. So we did. We did well. I shouldn't say we planned on one because Natalie really mm-hmm. did a lot of the work. But you know mm-hmm. what I mean. Um, we we did that for like one-off things. Mm-hmm. This was like a long-term commitment mm-hmm. that you had to do every single day, mm-hmm. even when like one of us didn't want to do it or the other person was tired. And so it required a lot of like compromise communication. And so I think that we hadn't exercised that as much. Mm-hmm. I think the other piece is feedback. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's the biggest piece. And it's me being able to like call out Jess when I'm like, you are, you're, you're doing something that you told me you didn't want to do. And I want to call you out on that. Or when Jess is like, hi, like you are, you're getting into your perfectionism mode again. And that's not going to work. Mm-hmm. and being able to call your partner out on that in the moment when they're like in it and helping them snap out of that because of the fact that it's not just both of you anymore. It's the fact that that like that behavior needs to be like cut, like y- you need to call it out when it's happening because of the fact that it can impact. This is for a dog, but like it can impact your dog. It can impact your child. It could create a negative experience. So mm-hmm. calling that out at the moment, I think wasn't something that, we were doing before so often. Mm -hmm. And so I think it made us stronger in that way because of the fact that 
it opened up a whole new level of like honesty and communication for us. Yeah. And it not turning into a fight. Yeah. Because there wasn't time. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> but yeah, parenting styles is super important. Like, I know that a lot of people talk about it before becoming parents, but I feel like it shifts once you're in it. Mm -hmm. um, so I love that, like, I love that we we have a relationship where where it is safe to provide that feedback and like have that open communication about Baxter because yeah. I mean you're kind of making those decisions on the spot and it's like right it's, it's how is he experiencing this and like if we if we don't make these decisions like he's not going to have that structure in yeah. place um but it, it took a little bit it did take a little bit and I would say that I'm pretty sure parents feel this this is super annoying to me when people are like, who's the strict one? <laughs> because I think it creates these like labels yeah. that aren't really necessary. Yeah. But I, I get what they mean. Like who's, who's, who disciplines more? Right. I mean, I, I'm fine with it personally, but I get what you're saying. Eh, I don't really like it. Yeah. Please don't ask me that. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I agree. I think that 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 open communication that, that we have with with everything in our life um allowed us to be allows us to be really good parents to Baxter um and provide him with, with structure and you know, even just thinking about it now, it's like we've come such a long way with Baxter. We really have. Like the fact that he's in his crate area not crying is like awesome. Also, the fact that he knows his name. Like, you have to teach a dog everything, including their name. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there was an immense amount of research that went into all of that and training and finding a vet and finding puppy insurance and yeah, all that Yeah, props stuff. to you. You did a lot of that legwork, so thank you. And, and I also think that, like, you could do so much research, but it's so different once you have the pup. Like, I think that's what was part of your perfectionism, that you did so much research about, like, how to train a pup, how to, you know, bring them home. And um, I love that about you because you're like my own Google. I can just go to you and be like, all right, what do we do about this? And you're like, well, I read that. Um, so I, I don't think it necessarily turned out the way that you expected at first, but I think that it definitely helped us as we um, continue to raise Baxter because there's like everything from like his choopy, his, his like stuffed, dog that he's had since he got home like yes that for, is his comfort you know for anybody who's getting a dog this is part of my research yes i was like okay we're at the point where i've done all the research about everything that he needs and i feel like it went from one day to the next and just came home and there was like a whole area for him set up <laughs> and like i had ordered a bunch of stuff and it was like boxes of chili yeah. um there is a, a, a dog, it's called a snuggle puppy and it has a heartbeat. So you can, it's battery operated. You can turn it on. And they say that for the first like couple of weeks um, that you're bringing your dog home, it mimics the mother's heartbeat so that the dog can feel comfortable and it can help with anxiety. Um, and so we named Baxter's little snuggle puppy Choopy. Um, yes, it's long story. Yes, there. long story that we won't share here. Um, so he still sleeps with Choopy mm -hmm. and he will even in the middle of the day go into his crate that he uses to sleep, pull Chupi out and then just lay on the floor with like kind of like um, suckling mm -hmm. on on Chupi mm -hmm. and just like um, hugging 
Choopy. He, cu- he cuddles her all the time. It's kind of like self-soothing for him that yeah. he does that several times a day. Um, and I'm, I'm so glad that I came across that thankful for so many people with their blogs. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure that you've also helped a bunch. Of, I've, I know you've recommended that to a bunch of people. So oh, I recommended that I'm the type of person that <laughs> you should just have your own blog for pups. <laughs> I, I think of myself, this is no offense to anyone, but I am like one of those Midwest moms. Mm-hmm. that I've researched everything and I know like a little homemade recipe for things. Yeah. And like, I'm like, well, I know about this. True. Like, you do. I love it. Um, I benefit from it. Yes, you do. But yeah, I think that, you know, that research really came in handy. Um, and yeah, I mean, going back to like the structure and, and, and backs were really like giving me that it's, we've become more of a team because with raising Baxter, like, he still has to go out. It's not as frequently, but like Steph will have to do the morning shift and then we'll alternate, you know, if, if one of us has to work or whatever, like, you know, we, we try to make it very fair so that it's not too much because that's the thing, right? Like when, when it just becomes one person, it's a lot like props to anybody who like raises a dog on their own. It's just a lot of work. I don't think I could, I could do it personally, but I know that when Steph, you were traveling once and you were gone for four days and I was like, oh my God, you need to come home. Like, this is a lot of work. And this is when Baxter was a little younger, but um, I love that we're very fair in that. Like, you'll be like, hey, I'll take Baxter out because you had him for two days. Like, don't worry about it. And like, I super, like, I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, And so it's just like little things like that, that I feel like have, has brought us closer. And it just, it's made me more comfortable to have children with you because he was oh, like a, he, he's like a in a sense he's like a test run like it's a different yeah. experience but knowing that i was able to s- sit there and be like okay he's crying or he's not listening or he's not doing this and us being able to talk through it and not yell and not whatever and like you being able to be open to my feedback and, and vice versa i think it's just created this 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 dynamic where you know, when we have children that I, I'm hoping that that remains the same and I'm sure it's going to be times 10 of an experience, but to know that I'm going to go into it with somebody that's going to be open to that and knowing that like we are giving it our best and that we have the child's best interest, um, in, in, in making these decisions. So I, I don't know if you feel that way, but I, I, I truly like, raising him and and loving him and seeing you with him like you guys have such a strong bond and i love that like baxter has been kind of going through a little bit of separation anxiety the last few months with stuff um and i think a lot of that has to do because you spent so much time with him when he was a baby and like raising (laughs) him and um it's just really cool to see and like obviously we don't want him to have separation anxiety but just like being able to see the way you are with him is like super inspirational. It's like, it makes me want to be a better mom as well. Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> um, I know we've talked about a lot of uh, things in, about the shadow and, and whatnot. Um, what, what have you seen about yourself in Raising Baxter that you really admire? <laughs> Um, 
the way I love him. Like, just flat out, just the way about myself, right? That's what we're yeah, talking yeah, about. Yeah, about okay. yourself. <laughs> just making sure. Um, yeah, the way I love him and the way that, like, you're right. I'm a fucking mush. Like, <laughs> I literally, I get so excited to come home to see him. Um, like, even today when I came home, I was just like, I look at him and I, I literally am in love with him. And I just see him and I'm like, you have changed my life for the better. And I just want to, like, spoil you with, like, all my love and make you feel safe and seen. And, like, um, I'm just always thinking about him. And I think that it's just changed the way that I... I see love. I, I've seen love in so many different ways, right? Like being in love romantically, loving like my family members, my mom, <coughs> my friends. Um, yeah. But never in a million years did I think that I was going to love this dog as much as I do. A funny story. When we first got Baxter, um, like I mentioned earlier, he wasn't really eating. And so I would hand feed him. I would take little scoops of his food and put it in my hands and like feed it to him so that he would eat and just looked at me doing this. And she was like, what are you doing? And I was like, he's not eating his food from his bowl. So I'm hand feeding him because he has to eat. And I'm going to, I'm going to do whatever it takes for him to eat. Mm -hmm. And she was like, this bougie ass dog. I'm not going to hand feed him. The next day she's like, come here, my prince, eat your food. <laughs> hand feeding him. I did do that. You're right. I absolutely did do that. And I would do it again. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm just, Baxter's the best. I mean, he really, you mentioned this, but like, he's not stressed about anything. He's just stressed about like getting food. And <laughs> he reminds me to be present and yeah. to just not worry about so much shit in life and just um, be in the moment. And honestly, I use that when I'm home and I'm stressed or when I'm I'm doing stuff and I'm stressed or worried about something or looking for something to worry about because that's the way my mind works i just look at baxter and i'm like he's teaching me so much yeah. about life that i need to just like embrace yeah um so thank you baxter you're the real mvp bro mm -hmm. what about you um i think i would have to say the same as you and um i think that this is where there are it is kind of like a mirror and there there I'm seeing aspects of like my mom that I actually do like. And I think that the way that my mom showed us love was that she would make sure that we were good and, and like, mm -hmm. like making us our favorite foods. Mm -hmm. I explained this in another episode, like just like doing things for you that, that you had mentioned that you, that you liked. Or I remember every year, either for my birthday or for Christmas, for whatever, my mom would always get me something that I had mentioned that I wanted in passing. Mm -hmm. She just had a mind for that. Yeah. And I see myself loving Baxter in the same way where, yes, I, I, add to that, I show him, I show him affection. I tell him you're such a good boy. I tell him that I love him. I give him so many kisses. I give him hugs. I give him belly rubs. I, you know, I, I play fetch with him, et cetera. But I also like, I put a blanket over him because I'm like, I think he's cold or <laughs> I, you know, I'm like, I want him to sleep. I want him to sleep more comfortably. Let's get him a little like memory foam thing. He has a memory foam bed. I'm just going to put that out there. When Baxter got, <laughs> when Baxter got His neutered. His bed is better suited for like, I, he has a better bed than us. Listen, I, I need to make sure that he sleeps okay. <laughs> I need to make sure that he sleeps okay. 
when Baxter got neutered, I was like, he's going to have a cone. We need to build him a really big area and just put a bunch of blankets and like comfy pillows there. So I went, I just like took me to Petco, Mm -hmm. bought like a, you went uh, went in. I bought, I bought like pillows and all this stuff. And he came home and he just laid there and he was sleeping like so comfortably. And I was so happy because I was like, good call. I needed him to be comfortable. I did not want him to be uncomfortable in any way. And I got that from my mom because that's how she was. Um, and so I, I admire myself for the way that I love him Mm -hmm. and that I, I show him that love. I'm not embarrassed or, Mm -hmm. or afraid to show him that. And I think a couple of years back when Jess and I first started dating and I couldn't express my emotions at all. And I see myself now people laugh at me in the street. Um, I asked, there was like a dog (laughs) passing by that was like, kind of like being very aggressive towards Baxter and, and Baxter tends to bark back. And I was like, Baxter, sit. And he sat down and I was like, good boy. I'm so proud of you, Baxter. Look at what you did. I'm proud of you. And there's this like guy crossing the street and he's laughing at me. He's like, what are you doing? <laughs> Talking to your dog in the middle of the street. But I'm it. like, my dog needs to know that I'm proud of him. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> You're a great mom. I hope Thank you know you. that. Thank you. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I think the moral of this story is (laughs) if you can get a dog, test out your parenting styles. Yeah. Embrace all that comes up. Yes. Other morals too that transcends whether you're taking care of a dog, you just had a child, Mm -hmm. you're taking care of a family member that's sick or needs care is one certain aspects of yourself that you didn't think existed are going to come up and that's okay. It's okay to lean in or lean on your community Mm -hmm. to work through that. You don't have to do it alone. Mm -hmm. Two is I'm going to Brene Brown. There you Uh, go. Almost (laughs) made it. Almost did. Brene Brown talks about the fact that shame thrives in silence, like shame multiplies in silence. Mm -hmm. And that little piece for me is so important because when I was feeling like I wanted to give Baxter up and send them back to the breeder, I I was like, this is shame. And if I don't say it, it's going to get bigger. Mm -hmm. The the feelings are going to grow more intense. So if you're feeling that shame, if you just had a baby and you're like, I don't want this baby. Like, I, I, I don't feel like I'm a parent or if you're taking care of a a parent and you're like, I'm pissed that I have to do this. Like, Mm -hmm. I want to live my life. I don't want to take care of this parent. It's okay for you to feel that. And that's step one of recognizing that. And step two is it's okay to express that to someone, someone who you can trust and who deserves that vulnerability, who isn't necessarily going to be like, you're terrible for saying that, but someone who's like, yeah, like I can understand why you feel that way. Yeah. Um, and recognizing that feelings sometimes just need to be witnessed. You don't necessarily have to do anything about them. You need to witness them, see where they're living in your body and, and then figure out like, okay, like I got through that. And sometimes it's just about getting through that. Other times it's about recognizing like, this is what I need to do next, but just really giving yourself space for those feelings and not necessarily, um, which I think is three is like, not or being mindful of the energy that you spend 
trying to suppress something that you feel because it you feel like it's a ugly emotion or something that's going to make you look bad when you say it or something that doesn't necessarily fit with like because we all talk about like personal branding at work but I feel like we all have a personal brand that we have created for ourselves that we portray to everyone in our life yeah right like if you are the person who's like always been successful always had their shit together and now you want to quit your job and like become an artist people have shame around that because Mm -hmm. they've created a personal brand where it's like I'm the go-getter I'm the one that has like stability I'm the one that has this I'm the one that has that same thing here where you're like if you are always a loving person everyone's like you're gonna be such a great parent or like you're such a great daughter like I see how much you love your parents and now you might be taking care of your parents and you're like I'm fucking pissed like (laughs) I don't want to do this yeah you might feel like fuck that's not that's not who I am like and you might spend a lot of time trying to suppress that and it's okay if you feel that a feeling doesn't mean that that's who you are yeah absolutely I love that um I want to give a shout out to all the people that have helped us along this journey of raising Baxter. Do you want to start by shouting out your colleague who was texting you every day? Yes, Jack, if you listen to this podcast, thank you so much. You're (laughs) one of the biggest reasons why um, I felt okay and feeling what I felt because you validated that for me and you reassured me that everything was going to be okay. Yeah. Um, I'd like to shout out, uh, Ro, who was like talking me through his process and, um, with his pup, um, and the things to expect, the things that I should do. He gave a bunch of recommendations. He told me where to look things up. And, um, even when I was having moments where I was like exhausted, he's like, it's worth it. Don't worry. Like you got this. Um, that was super, super helpful. So thank you so much. Um, Anna, I think she, she helps so much She's with her experience with yes. Rafa and just, um, providing so many tips and, and loving Baxter just as and much, Hime. you know, and Hime, um, you know, all of our friends, Janice, Elise, all of them, you yeah. know, who, who've really shown up, um, and, and given Baxter so much love. And then Elvin Marion. Yeah. All, all you folks. And, and, and lastly, uh, Lindsay for taking care of our, our backseat boy when yes. we're traveling. I mean, and showing him so much love. Yeah. She's just, when you, when you travel the, as much as, as we do, and it, it's really scary thinking about leaving your child with someone. And for me, like I was super paranoid about who I was leaving him with. And we were like interviewing people and, you know, I remember we we went and interviewed someone to watch him, and I I came out and I was like, I don't want to leave him there. Like <laughs> it's like a mess. I was and you. It was surprising. You were like, oh, I think he. I think he'll be okay. And I was freaking out, and I was like, no, we got to figure this out. He it was, was he was very happy, and I felt good vibes. I'm sure so he was I, gonna I be had, fine. I had a little bit of like nervousness there. Yeah, but. I'm sure he would have been fine, but I think that um, Lindsay just came through, and she's always our, our, our go to. Um, and Baxter loves Lindsay so much mm-hmm. there good. are there are um Baxter gets super excited to see me and Jazz all the time and the people from his like um from his daycare but when he sees Janice and when he sees Lindsay he freaks out his little butt wiggles so much that I feel like it's gonna fall off it's like they're connected yeah like they have a chemistry yeah um 
so yeah, I just wanted to shout those folks out and, and everyone else who's always checking in on Baxter. Um, it's been such a, a journey and shout out to us for being a lesbian couple and not getting Baxter two days after we start dating. I mean, I think Woo! that's a huge, huge thing. Um, shout out I, to us for having a dog and not a cat breaking them stereotypes. <laughs> but I think, you know, it goes to show like, um, I think we're very thoughtful about our decision making and, you know, Sometimes I think we should be a little bit more spontaneous, but I'm glad that like... Let's get another dog. <laughs> I did want another dog. I, I wanted two, but... Um, and, and we will get there. But I think that I'm glad that we waited as long as we did because I don't think I would have been able to raise Baxter as well as I do now. And also, it might have not... It might have broke us, honestly, yeah. if we did it too early. So yeah. I'm super grateful, but... That's all I got on my end. Anything else from you? That's it. All right. As always, hope you made it this far. <laughs> hope you enjoyed. Um, drop us a note on your experience with raising pups or any animals or, or kids. Or or, or, or people yeah. or taking care of loved ones yeah, or starting what, a new relationship and then those expectations. Well, Woo! I want to know all the thoughts, all the feelings, all the things. So we'll share a photo of Baxter on Instagram. Cause we, ha I don't think we've done that well, with, um, be prepared for, for your, overload. your heart to melt because he's such a handsome little, little boy. Anyway, till next time. Bye. Peace.